Hello, everyone, and welcome back to How to Chess. How to Chess, of course, is a weekly chess improvement-based podcast. We try to give you a little information to help out your game. Um, and this week, we are joined by, he used to be a Florida-based chess trainer, but now he is a chess digital nomad, joining us from the one of the chess capitals of the world, St. Louis. But he's been traveling around, competing, working on his game, and, of course, uh, training and coaching players. He is a FIDE master who is out with a brand new chessable course called Survive and Thrive, How to Blunder Less and Defend Better. Um, it's been endorsed by none other than U.S. champion and chessable author Sam Shanklin, who said it's all about defending well and finding only moves when under pressure. It's an extremely important element of chess that is a rare topic in literature and media, highly recommended. Um, and I echo that recommendation. I've been checking out the course and I've um, myself noticed that there can be um, a tendency to overlook uh, the importance of defense. Um, in addition to his work coaching, he's been actively training for the IM title. We may touch on that topic in some bonus time, but our topic of the day is common calculation mistakes and how to improve at calculating both from an offense and a defensive perspective. But before we dive into that topic, let's welcome our guest to the show, FM Dalton Perrine. Dalton, how are you? I'm doing good, Ben. How are you? I'm well. So you're joining us from St. Louis, and we'll dive in in a second. But before we do, what's your next chess tournament? I know you're a busy man. Um, there's a Thanksgiving Open going on here in St. Louis, I think, uh, right, well, right around Thanksgiving. That's probably the next one. And then otherwise, um, I think I'll be playing something in Charlotte in December, most likely. Excellent. Sounds sounds good to me. And this this may or may not come out before Thanksgiving. We'll see. But in any event, Dalton will be rooting for you. Um, and hopefully you will not make any uh, defensive calculation errors, um, although it happens to the best of us. So you ready to dive into the topic of the day, Dalton? Yep. Good to go. Okay. So my first question for you, Dalton, is why do you think that defensive calculating often gets overlooked for players? Why doesn't that get emphasized as much by trainers? I think for the most part, players like to look for offensive calculation. People like to like finish games off. They like to see the crazy attacks or sacrifices in all the books and um, try to have their kind of immortal games that they're always trying to play. Uh, but on the other hand, a lot of people don't try to work on defense as much because I think it's just a tougher topic to kind of pull examples for, uh, quite honestly. And um, it's also just not as uh, not as fun in a sense, uh, in the sense that, you know, when you think of some of the best chess players in history, you have Kasparov, Mikhail Tal, the Paul Morphy, the crazy uh, sacrifices and stuff like that, but not so much the uh, the guys that were really good at defense. Yeah, as I think about it as a sports fan, my personal favorite sport uh, is basketball. But even like good defensive teams don't get a lot of credit, you know, and I think that that's true in like football slash soccer and other sports as well. So I guess it makes sense. And and the point you raise about uh, it being tough to pull the data is not something I had thought about um, without, you know, this is a short forum podcast, but can can you um, in and like briefly tell us about how you went about that, since I'm guessing it would be harder to just run a query, like as you might for like pins or deflections or something like that. So the main way that I came across or I kind of came up with a lot of the different exercises um, in the course was that, and this is something that I've recommended to students even before ever uh, creating the chessable course, but a lot of them, it comes from different tactic puzzles you'll come across in books and uh 
trainers and things like that, but kind of almost working your way backwards before you get around to the tactic. Because usually a lot of the ways that tactic books or puzzles or games you'll come across, um, they'll focus on, you know, the player, one player just made a mistake and then it's, you know, white to play and win or black to play and win. But before they make the mistake, they've usually got a, you know, relatively fine position at that point. So a lot of the um, examples will be things like, you know, here's two different moves to consider. One of them leads to a blunder, which might be something you see in a tactic course or a book or something like that. Uh, whereas the other move is perfectly safe. So you have to try to find uh, the, the safe move rather than making the blunder that might have led up to a tactic in, a, in that kind of situation. Yeah, that that is a clever way in. And I'm guessing in your students' games, you see this sort of mistake fairly frequently, Dalton? Yeah, as, as, as much as... Um, a lot of people need to work on it, of course, but yes, students will still make it. Uh, I make it myself, of course, blunders from time to time. Um, but uh, yeah, if you can kind of uh, work on it in that sense, that helps a lot. Yeah. And the aforementioned Sam Shanklin did the introduction video for your course. And in the video, you you get, and that, of course, is available as a free preview for listeners and viewers to check out. Um <coughs> Excuse me. And in that video, you get to see Sam tackle the, the puzzles. And of course, he does get them right, but they're not simple. I mean, they're uh, they're reasonably like he has to stop and think before he sort of orients himself and tries to, to navigate his his way through it. So um, for what level would you say that this course is, is geared, Dalton? I, I think it's geared for. Uh, primarily I would say like intermediate plus players, though I definitely do think that like beginners and casual players can learn from it. There is a warm-up chapter that Sam didn't show, uh, didn't get the chance to show in the preview, which probably would be the uh, the chapter that a lot of beginner players would probably uh, do fine with. But um, as the course does progress, it does get a bit more difficult. Um, but probably intermediate plus would uh, be like the target audience at the end of the day. Great. Yeah. And obviously it's something, as you say, there's, I mean, you know, it's, it applies to all levels, uh, your level and my level included. Now, what are some tips you can share outside of the course for people who say, who might notice that they make calculation mistakes, like maybe they're quicker to spot tactics, uh, on the offensive side than the defensive side. I think a lot of it is about perspective. Many players will focus just on what they can do on their side of the board. Um, they'll say like, oh, this move looks good. I'm going to go attack their queen or something like that. Um, but they don't necessarily think so much about what the opponent will do in response. They don't think about um, if they're putting pressure on me, how am I going to respond in, uh, in on the other side of the board? Um, many players will focus on ultimately what they want to do and not so much on what the opponent's going to respond with, which I think is uh, one of the tougher things to get better at, um, but it is one of the more important things to improve at for sure. So are there certain questions we should try to get in the habit of asking ourselves in order to get better at this? Yeah. At the end of the day, I think that a good thinking process generally starts off with uh, kind of a first step being, um, why did my opponent play their most recent move? What are they trying to do? Um, did they make a threat or something that I have to answer um, in the position? That's usually a good starting off point. Uh, once you kind of maybe take note of what they're doing, or maybe their move didn't really do that much that you have to worry about at the end of the day, um, then you kind of want to work on looking, first of all, at your own forcing moves. Do you have any kind of tactics that you can uh, pull off in the position? If not, then you kind of have to think a bit more uh, 
long-term. You know, what kind of plan can I come up with? How do I improve the position in different small ways? Uh, but then whatever moves you uh, decide on in the position or whatever moves you're kind of uh, considering, you want to make sure that you're um, you know, comparing, contrasting the moves, making sure certain ones are safe, doing a blunder check. You know, If I make this certain move, what will my opponent do in response? Um, I think that kind of a couple of different questions like that can kind of um, start you off thinking about what the opponent's doing and then also end you uh, or at the end think about what the opponent's going to do in response and kind of um, everything kind of sandwiches in between there. Okay. Advice uh, reminiscent of what uh, Grandmaster Vladimir Kramnik has given, which is obviously good company to be in, Dalton. Now, one of the points you had highlighted in our correspondence leading up to this interview is the the idea that sometimes um, I've noticed this particularly with adult players, there'll be a line that air quotes looks scary um, and that there's a tendency to just avoid that, which is not necessarily the best uh, prescription. So what do you advise for sort of working through that feeling of just seeing a move that's scary and wanting to avoid it? Yeah, so I think in those kind of situations, it's really about um, kind of tempering your first in, uh, your first reaction or instinct to whatever move that you're seeing. Uh, a lot of people will say, uh, oh, they would make this move and attack my queen. That doesn't look good. Um, so I'm not going to even consider that move in the first place. But a lot of the times you'll find that moves that maybe don't look great on the surface, if you kind of dig a little bit deeper into them, they can actually be uh, sometimes the best move in the position. And so it's about not having that, uh, trying to kind of temper that initial reaction to the move and then um, figuring out whether it's good or not with actually calculating the move. Because if you never actually calculate a move or don't consider what the opponent will do, what you'll do in response, um, then it is very easy to think that a certain move is scary. Whereas if you kind of actually check into the move, then it might not be uh, near as dangerous as it looks. So it sounds like both in offense and defense, off, often the sort of answer to any chess problem is going to be to to calculate, to to do the work. Um, so before I kind of follow up on that, could you just define what it means to calculate in case anyone um, is hazy about that topic? Yeah, so calculation is pretty much uh, the act of thinking through potential sequences of moves that could occur in a game. So if there's maybe two or three different moves I'm thinking about in a given position. If I play move A, what do I think the opponent might do in response? How might I meet that response? Um, same thing with move B, same thing with move C. Kind of, you know, can you can calculate at varying levels. You can calculate maybe only one or two moves ahead if necessary. It can be much further than that in other situations. Um, but most of the time you do want to be at least considering your move, your opponent's move, and then your follow-up to that at the very least. Because um, if you don't really do much calculation, you're kind of, uh, in my opinion, just kind of flipping a coin, hoping that the move works out without actually really knowing if it, uh, if it will work out. But it is all about kind of looking out at least a move, a move or two ahead. Uh, but it doesn't always need to be you know, five, ten moves or something, uh, something that a lot of people think is what calculation involves is lots of moves. It doesn't always need to be that. Yeah, and obviously concessions have to be made depending on the time control that you're playing. I mean, in a perfect world, we might try to calculate anything, but everything, but that could take nine hours, which, you know, in a 30-minute game, um, you don't have. Um, and I think uh, one of my last questions, Dalton, is uh, 
do you have any suggestions for this uh, this problem of just straight up missed moves? I think it's very common that, okay, we calculate a few lines and what we calculate, maybe we do a decent job, but then there's just some move that we didn't even consider. Um, and I thought, obviously, if you miss a tactic, that hurts, but missing one for your opponent can hurt even more. Do you have any suggestions for how to uh, avoid this common problem? So uh, in those kind of situations, the player would be missing uh, what's known as like candidate moves uh, or different move options that maybe they just had a blind spot for. I think the best way to get better at candidate moves is really just um, is really just kind of training it, uh, trying to do as many tactic puzzles as you can, coming across as many different patterns as you can, um, whether it's a tactic for yourself or your opponent. If you're more familiar with a wide variety of, uh, of patterns, um, pins, skewers, forks, interference, deflection, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the more types of patterns that you're familiar with or the more kind of options that you've seen in the past, it'll kind of make it a lot easier to see those options going forward. So um, it does take time. It does take experience and training, but um, with the, with the work does come the, uh, does come the reward. Okay. Excellent. Excellent advice. And Dalton, do you have anything to add? I, I actually, I'd like for you to stick around for a bit of bonus time to talk about your own training regimen, but in terms of uh, general advice of improving offensive and defensive calculation, do you have any closing words of wisdom, Dalton? Yeah, I, I think again, the main thing in a lot of calculation situations is um, many people, as you mentioned earlier, can calculate. It's not so much that they don't have the ability to do so, but a lot of people will not necessarily want to put in the time of doing it or maybe they feel like it's a short game maybe a 15 minute game they don't feel like they have much time to calculate but it tends to be that it, um it is one of the more important skills to develop in chess is this kind of decision making process of calculation and um players that do actually uh do it in their games or work on it outside of the games will um will see the the growth over time i think um more than players who don't necessarily train this specific part of chess so hopefully people uh, people will focus on a bit more a bit more. Okay, excellent advice, Dalton. We're going to sum up what we've learned before, and then would you be up to stick around and chat a little bit about your own chess? Yeah, for sure. Excellent, thank you. And we are back with our three improvement takeaways. I think this stuff is super important. So hopefully you all found something uh, beneficial as I did from FM Dalton Perrine's advice. Um, the, the first takeaway that I highlighted is to develop a decision-making process. This, of course, is easier said than done. And as Dalton said, a lot of the work needs to be done away from the board because if you just show up at a tournament and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm going to be regimented about this, it's kind of too late when the clock is running and you're feeling all the emotions. So away from the board, you want to do the work to ask yourself uh, the right questions. Um, and of course, Dalton suggested some questions to ask, but they're, you know, GM Jakob Agar, GM Vladimir Kramnik, uh, they've all given different sort of checklists that you can work through when it's your move. And I don't think it's so much what the exact checklist is, as, as Dalton says, that you have a process in place. Um, number two, and this is, again, can't be stressed enough. When you see a move that looks scary, that's not a signal just to walk away from that move. You need to calculate through that feeling. I think it's sort of biologically wired that when when we you know sense danger, we run away. And in chess, that that sometimes can be good advice, but you only know by actually calculating, which is harder to do when you're in the woods running from a lion. But here on the chessboard, the threats are only so big. So if you see something scary, don't let that deter you from 
actually doing the work. And number three, when Dalton was talking about how he found this material, I found what he said about working backwards in terms of solving puzzles to be really interesting. So even if you're doing a tactics trainer um, or something like that, which obviously can be more offensively focused, that doesn't mean that you can't take a second and sort of take a defensive lens to it as well. Sometimes you're able to click through to where the game came from, uh, what the source of the puzzle was, whether it be a book or um a puzzle trainer. And then you can see, hey, well, as Dalton said, what mistake led to this? Um, because uh, as we all know, at the end of the day, chess games are decided by who makes the biggest or last mistake. So excellent stuff from Dalton. Um, I'd like to uh, welcome him back to the show because, again, he's been working hard on his game. And in fact, in the aforementioned video introduction by U.S. champion Sam Shanklin, Sam mentioned that Dalton, A, is a student of his, but B, multiple times mentioned how impressed he is with Dalton's work ethic. And anyone who knows something about uh, Sam Shanklin's work ethic, uh, that is uh, quite a strong endorsement. So we've got to know, Dalton, what have you been doing to work on your own game? Yeah, so uh, mostly I've just been... Um doing lots of training with uh, exercises that uh, Sam and I might work, work on together. Um, I'm part of the uh, Killer Chess Training Academy that him and Jakob Algerd, um, uh run or uh, kind of uh, co-run. Um, lots of studying my own games, um, puzzles, other exercises, uh, yeah, different things like that um, have worked off uh, or worked out pretty good recently. So it sounds like it's not so much that there's a secret sauce. It's just that you're putting the hours in. It's it's all about the work for sure. Yeah. And shout out to uh, GM Jakob Agard and uh, Killer Chess Training. They're doing great work there. Um, and of course, you work with, uh, with um, you know, legendary grandmaster Sam Shanklin. Obviously, that's... Um, First of all, a great privilege. Also, let's be real; it's a it's a big investment. Sam is um Sam's time is valuable, and he doesn't take a lot of students. So, could you, for those of us who are not uh, not able or have not had the opportunity to learn from him firsthand, could you tell us a little bit about what that's like, Dalton? Uh, yeah, it's really nice to be able to hear a lot of his insights into like really high level uh, or kind of top level chess, uh, being a twenty seven hundred plus rated player. Um, lots of the stuff we work on is uh, is very much calculation focused, um, looking at games, working our way through them, um, different or varying exercises that will kind of target specific things uh, that maybe I need to work on uh, in my own games. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been really nice to be able to kind of get an insight into uh, such a strong player, um, how he thinks about the positions and um, how, how fast he is with his calculation in them a lot of the time. Yeah, and he mentioned that you're always you're playing a fair amount. I know you've had some good results recently. Congratulations! Um, and he said you always send him detailed annotations of your game. So, what sort of thing might Sam highlight that you missed? I mean, obviously, you're a very strong player in your own right. So, I'm just curious about that, Dalton. So a lot of the things that he might kind of highlight that maybe I didn't pick up on, or things that I didn't maybe notice uh, as I played the game, or when I analyzed it afterwards, is a lot of it is um, more on the, uh, I guess, thinking process side of things. Like there might be certain positions where uh, I might try in a, uh, during the game to kind of force matters. I might focus on a situation where I'm trying to calculate my way through things. Um, but it might not be a position where I actually need to do a ton of calculation. Maybe I should take a bit more of a uh, um, 
cool and calm approach, so to speak, uh, maybe focus a bit more on just kind of improving my position rather than trying to like light up fireworks uh, in the position unnecessarily. Um, so sometimes kind of uh, holding me back in a, in a, in a sense when I kind of need to be held back. Um, and also uh, in different situations where, um, where maybe I am calculating well, but it's, uh, you know, maybe again, kind of like, as we mentioned before, maybe missing a candidate move that I hadn't seen or uh, different move options that he uh, might consider that maybe I hadn't thought about um, kind of giving his perspective on the positions. Nice. Yeah. No one is immune from occasionally just missing a candidate move that can can be a bolt from the blue. But it's interesting to hear you say, especially having just made this course, obviously the subject of today's podcast is sort of a lot. Most people need to calculate more, but it sounds like you've um, you've sort of internalized these lessons so thoroughly that with Sam, you're you're also trying to isolate moments where you might need to calculate less. Yeah, some situations. um I can think of at least a couple of examples from my recent tournament. There'd be situations where one specific move, uh, maybe I had two different moves I was thinking about. One specific move would kind of lead down a bit of a rabbit hole that just kind of leads to an equal position. Whereas maybe a different move I was also considering is uh, a lot less calculation and focused, but more of a like general improvement to the position. And maybe in my thinking process, I'm like, giving a lot of emphasis to the, uh, to the calculation sequence versus maybe not like going back and double checking, maybe just a, a, a safe calm move is the better thing to do. So yeah, it's kind of, um, kind of in both directions, uh, have to be good at calculation, but also kind of know when to use that weapon in your arsenal. Gotcha. Yeah. GM Josh Friedel calls that type of move, a housekeeping move, which, uh, yep. yeah, which it's, it's hard to find the right balance of when to make a housekeeping move and when to sort of, uh, knuckle down and go for the complications. Um, so this has been great, Dalton. My last question, again, since you're working so hard on your chess and showing great results lately and working with so many students, I've got to ask you the uh, the million dollar question of uh, how you divide your, your chess study time, like what percentage you spend on different aspects of uh, chess training. And obviously this would be different for someone lower rated, but just for you personally. Um. I would probably say I'm not the best example in terms of a specific like blocking off time in a day. Uh, I kind of jump around a little bit, but I do try to get, I think to some degree throughout a, throughout an average day, it's probably somewhere in the three hours of kind of really focusing on my own chess. Um, but then I do have students I teach throughout the day or other things that are going on. Um, when I was working on the chess school course, that took up a good amount of time, but probably in the, if I had to really say how much I'm doing focus work, probably in the two to three hour range per day on average, but sometimes more. Yeah, I'm sure as I sometimes feel this way. So as a chess professional like yourself, it can be hard to even deconstruct because it's like you're doing chess stuff all the time, you know, so you would have to sit down and do like a line item budget in order to know exactly how you're spending your time. So maybe you could say, like, what do you tell your students if they say I have 10 hours a week? Is there a general advice you give on how to divide that time or is it too individual? Yeah, I think it's pretty individual, but I think the the big buckets that people or, or students would want to focus on um, kind of depends on your level, of course. But um, generally speaking, tactics and, and improving at calculation should be, uh, at the very least, I, I tend to recommend, you know, 30 minutes per day uh, minimum if, if, if you have the time. Um, the way I think of it is like if you... Um, 
if you're wanting to, let's say like work out at the gym, you're going to go a couple, you know, you're going to go for a period of time every day or every couple of days, rather than trying to put it all in one day, which is going to kind of, um, overload you at the end of the day. Um, if you're trying to do like a bunch of hours on one day of the week, but trying to be consistent about it. Um, yeah, probably like 30 minutes a day for kind of uh, 30 minutes to an hour per day of like calculation and, and, uh, tactics. Um, and then trying to play as many games as you can during the week. I do think that practical play and analyzing your games afterwards is very important because you're not really going to know what your uh, specific weaknesses are without actually playing games and analyzing them. Um, so trying to play a couple of probably rapid games per week with some analysis. Um, and then aside from that, it kind of depends on the person individually. Some people need to work on in games. Some people need to work on, uh, more like strategic game, uh, things with like pawn structures. Um, so it's a little more uh, nuanced at that point, but I do think that uh, calculation and uh, playing games and analyzing your own games is kind of uh, something that should be done um, at least most days or every other day or something along those lines. Okay. Yeah. Great advice. Um, the, the got to do the, uh, got to do the basics, get that, get that done, do your daily practice. And then from there, uh, work on what you need to work on. So Dalton, thanks so much. This has been super insightful. Good luck with the course and good luck in your, uh, continued, um, OTB training and playing regimen. Thank you very much. Thanks. And we should mention one last time, the course is called survive and thrive, how to blunder less and defend better. Have, have a good day, Dalton. All right, you too, then.